the following message entitled, Breathed Out by God, part one of the series, God Has Spoken, was given by Mark Altrogi on the 7th of September, 2014. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Take our seats, please. Sorry you have to look at me again. I don't normally lead worship and preach on the same Sundays, but our, our regular worship lead, leaders were unavailable today, so they had to get the old guy. I kind of like to think of myself as like Eric Clapton or somebody kind of coming back. <laughs> That's just the way I think of myself. I'm not... Well, Bob Mundorf told me that I should make this message short because he said they're already cooking burgers and we can smell them. So, <laughs> sorry, sorry you have to sit through this and smell burgers at the same time. Keith? What's that? Yeah, when we were next to Haas's, yeah. That was every Sunday. You must have been, like, distracted, Keith, because you mentioned that pretty quickly. <laughs> well, I want to thank everybody who is, has already served for the picnic, and I know a lot of people are outside. Oh, this is good. We're going to have kids looking in the window. <laughs> Not going to have any distractions here. <laughs> yeah. Now, now you, you uh, Walls boys, you, no, you're not allowed to be looking at the window, okay? <laughs> Thank you, everyone who has served already. I know a lot of people were here at 8 this morning or maybe even earlier serving. So just I really appreciate all you guys who have served and everyone who has yet to serve. And I know a number of people are still getting ready to go serve. So thank you. This morning, our message is called, God Has Spoken, our series, God Has Spoken, we're starting a new series. This morning's message is called, Breathed Out by God, the Inspiration and Authority of Scripture. Now, one of my favorite artists, Sting, has a song in which he sings, let your soul be your pilot. Let your soul guide you. He'll guide you well. If you've ever heard that song, Let Your Soul Be Your Pilot. And maybe some of you have seen the movie Land Before Time in the 80s. 1988, Dave saw it anyway. Um, in, in that movie... The main character, Littlefoot, I believe, his mother says to him, let your heart guide you. It whispers, so listen closely. And someone that you may have heard of, Steve Jobs, said, don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't, don't let the noise of others' opinions Drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart 
and intuition. So here we have Sting saying, let your soul be your pilot. Steve Jobs, follow your heart and your intuition. Let me ask you a question. What is the final authority in your life? Who has the last word? Is it your heart or your soul, your intuition? Is your heart the ultimate decider of what is right and wrong and what is best for you? Moms and dads, let me ask you this. Is that the best advice you'd give one of your children? Just do what your heart says. Just follow your heart. Do what your heart tells you to do. Is that what you're going to tell your children? Let me tell you something. That would be the most disastrous advice you could give a child. Let your heart guide you. And yet, so many people say that. Years ago, as a very young Christian, I heard someone say this though, and it changed my life. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Really, he could have said, God said it. That settles it. Because God's Word, the Bible, is true whether I believe it or not. But for a young Christian, for me, this was really helpful because it defined what was to be the authority in my life. I wasn't to follow my passions. I wasn't to follow my feelings. I was to follow God's Word. The Word of God. The Bible. If God said it in His Word, I would believe it whether it made sense to me or not. I wouldn't argue with it. I wouldn't doubt it. I would just obey it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And I would say that many times when, when I was conflicted about something. And that really helped me in my life. That really gave me some, some stability in my life. Well, this morning we're going to examine what's called the inspiration and authority of Scripture. It's the first message in a series we're doing on the Word of God, as I said, called God Has Spoken, the series. And we're doing this because as we're kicking off our new fellowship groups, as we meet twice a month together, we will be discussing God's Word, especially the Word of God that was preached the previous Sunday. So we're gathering around God's Word in our fellowship groups. And Jesus Christ is the foundation of our lives. And the Word of God is the revelation of Jesus. If you asked me, or anyone who would know what the Bible is all about, what is the theme of the Bible? The theme of the Bible is all that God has done to redeem us through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the theme of the Bible. The Bible is about Jesus and what He did for us. And the Old Testament prepared the way and prophesied and told us about the Messiah to come. And the New Testament tells us about Jesus and His life and the results of that and how that affects and changes our lives. So let's look at our text for this morning, 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17, which says, All Scripture, all Scripture, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, 
equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for everyone who came this morning. We thank You for Your Word. And we just pray, Lord, that You would teach us from Your Word that, that what I share, Lord, help, help it to all be accurate. Help me to teach Your Word accurately, Lord, and convey the truth. And Lord, we ask that it wouldn't just be dry information, but we ask that it would excite us and change our lives and give us faith in Your Word. Lord, help me. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, first I said we were going to talk about the inspiration of Scripture. The inspiration and authority of Scripture. So what do we mean by the inspiration of Scripture? And we saw in verse 16, it says, All Scripture, or the Bible, all Scripture is breathed out by God. That is one word in the Greek meaning God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. Or inspired. When we say Scripture is inspired, we don't mean it like the way we usually use the word. Normally it means someone or something gave me an idea. Like that, that sunset inspired me to do this, this painting. Or we say, I was inspired to write that book when I saw homeless people living in the city. Sometimes we might even say, God inspired me to take a mission trip. But that's not the way we are... That's not what the, this word means when we're applying it to Scripture. Now, the Holy Spirit does speak to us. The Holy Spirit does motivate us to do things at times, like go on a mission trip or do something like that. The Holy Spirit could give us that idea, but that's not we're talk, what we're talking about when we say every word of Scripture is breathed out by God. What we mean is the Bible has not a single idea of man's. The Bible is not man's ideas. And 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. It's not just some man's idea. For no prophecy, and he's talking about the Bible, no prophecy of Scripture was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This means that the Holy Spirit gave the writers of the Bible the very words to say and write. They didn't make them up. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. This is amazing. We just got to think about this for a second. The God who created the galaxy. The God who is infinite. The God who had no beginning and no end would speak to us who are dust. The whole universe, heaven, hell, and the, the universe are, are less than a speck compared to the infinite being of God. And yet, He wants to communicate with us. And He wanted to make sure that we got His very words. The Bible is the very words of God. God gave them to us. 
He had them written down. He preserved them for us so that we can know God, so that we can know what He is like, so that we can know the thoughts of God and the will of God, and especially so we can know what God has done to take care of our sins through His Son, Jesus. It's amazing to me when I think I am less than nothing. Less than a speck of dust. And yet God wants me to know Him. So the Bible is the very words of God. First of all, in the Old Testament, the phrase, thus says the Lord, is used over 400 times. And there are many, many other similar phrases used throughout the Old Testament. Phrases like this in 1 Kings 14.18, And all Israel buried Him and mourned for Him according to the word of the Lord which He spoke by His servant Ahijah the prophet. And then in Leviticus 16.1, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron. And then Jeremiah 1.4 says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying... Now the human authors of the Old Testament, they knew they were writing the very words of God. Jeremiah... He wrote the book of Jeremiah. He says, the word of the Lord came to me saying. He knew he was writing God's words. How did this happen? We don't know exactly. We don't know if they heard them audibly. We don't know if they heard them in their minds. But they knew they were writing the very words of God. And Jesus clearly saw the Old Testament as God's very word. And so he says, I lost my reference here. Okay. He believed in the Old Testament, for example. Matthew 19, 4 and 5. He said, Have you not read? Have you not read in the Old Testament Scriptures? Have you not read that He who created them, God who created Adam and Eve, He clearly believed God created them. He clearly believed there was a literal Adam and Eve. Jesus said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said that God said, Jesus believed God said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. I I maybe shouldn't say Jesus believed, Jesus knew, Jesus declared this, Jesus proclaimed that the Old Testament, again and again Jesus proclaimed that the Old Testament was the Word of God because He constantly referred to the Old Testament as as reality, as historical fact. In, In Matthew 24, He talked about Noah and the ark and the flood. And people may say, oh, are you expecting me to believe that a man built an ark and got two by two, all the animals to come into it, and then the whole God caused it to rain so much that the whole earth was covered with water. Are you you're expecting me to believe all that? Jesus proclaimed it as true. He didn't say, you know that old myth, that old fable about Noah. No, he talked about these things as historical fact. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone. Jesus talked about that as fact. Fire and brimstone came out of the sky and destroyed two cities. And in the same, at the same time, He talked about Lot who fled those cities. And He talked about Lot's wife 
who disobeyed turned around and looked and turned into a pillar of salt. Jesus, several times, at least three times, talked about the Israelites being fed with manna from heaven. That really happened. That's not a myth. The manna that came from heaven. Jesus talked about the burning bush and God speaking from the bush to Moses. Jesus talked about Jonah. And in Matthew 12.40, He says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The, Jesus proclaimed the Old Testament was historical fact and the Word of God. And Jesus not only proclaimed that, but He said His own words were the Word of God. And so in John 3.34, Jesus said, For He whom God has sent utters the words of God. And He told His apostles that the Holy Spirit would continue to give them the very words of God. John 14, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. All that I have said. He whom God has sent utters the words of God. The Holy Spirit will bring to your mind all the words of God that I have said. Paul even calls Luke's writings Scripture. He says in Luke 10.7, he says, For the Scripture says... The Scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. That's in uh, 1 Timothy 5.18. Now, I said Luke 10.7. What I mean is this. The first quote, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, that's from Deuteronomy. That's from the Old Testament. But the second, The laborer deserves his wages, that's from Luke 10.7. And so, Paul says, the Scripture, Luke 10.7, Luke is writing Scripture. And Peter calls the writings of Paul Scripture. He says, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. Well, I'm glad Peter felt like that. (laughs) So I feel like that when I read Paul sometimes. But he says, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other Scriptures. So, Peter clearly viewed the writings of Paul as Scripture, the inspired Word of God. And look how the book of Revelation begins. Written by John. Book of Revelation. Revelation 1, 1-3. The Revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave Him to show to His servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending His angel to His servant John, who bore witness to the Word of God, the Word of God, and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that He saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. And at the end of the book of Revelation, it says, whoever takes away a single word from this book 
is going to be punished by God. So how was, how was God's Word given or inspired? The words of the Bible were somehow, the very words were given to the writers, not just the ideas they convey. God chose every single word. And some people say, well, you know, surely men could have made mistakes. Well, God who created the galaxies, the God who is sovereign over all, I think He is able to make sure there would be no mistakes. He was able to somehow use the personalities and the minds and the styles. He didn't, he didn't override the personalities of the guys. Every, every book is a little different by the different authors. He didn't override their personalities. Some, some of the writers wrote poetry. Some wrote historical stuff. Some wrote instructional things. And yet God, the Creator of heaven and earth, who is sovereign over every atom of the universe, made sure that every word they wrote was His Word. And if God is truly God, He can do that. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. So that's what it means. The Bible is the words of God. So, when you... Read your Bible. This is a book like no other book. This isn't just a self-help book. This is the Word of God. This is incredible. It's not like we're saying, when you wake up in the morning, I think it's a good idea for you to read how to win friends and influence people. That's going to help your life. Maybe it will. I don't know, but it's not the Word of God. This is the Word of God. So we should read it. We should listen to it. We should take it in. Okay, it's not only inspired, but it is the authoritative Word for our lives. Remember I said the inspiration and the authority of Scripture. Scripture is the final authority for our lives. God's Word stands above all other authorities. And so Psalm 138 verse 2 says, You have exalted above all things Your name and Your Word. God's Word is above all things. Kevin DeYoung says this, On every matter in which the Bible means to speak, the last word goes to Scripture, not to councils, or to catechisms, or to science, or to human experience, but to the Word of God. The last word goes to Scripture. Now the Bible, it doesn't speak directly to every matter. For example, it doesn't tell us how to repair our cars or make pesto sauce. If you want to know how to make pesto sauce, go to Maria Versace or Tony Versace. You're not going to find a recipe for pesto sauce in the Bible. But, though the Bible doesn't address every matter like that, it is the last word when it comes to our lives. And, though the Bible doesn't specifically address every situation we'll face, it is full of God's principles and full of God's wisdom so that all kinds of unmentioned situations that we face, we can apply God's Word to. 
And so, if you're, if you have a business where you are repairing cars, the Word of God would say, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. There is, the Word of God applies to all of our life. Second Peter 1, 3 and 4 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises. God has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Do you want to know how to live? Do you want to know how to have a successful life? Do you want to know, you want to know how to navigate hard times in life? Do you want to know how to navigate hard things that people do to you? Do you want to know how to navigate relational struggles? The Word of God has all we need. All things that pertain to life and godliness. It's the final word. Now, if science tells us the universe came into being by a big bang and was not created by God speaking it into existence, then science is wrong. And many scientists believe in creationism. UIUP students, when, when one of my sons, his first week at IUP, he went to a class and the prof said this, everybody who's educated nowadays believes in evolution. In other words, if you don't believe in education, you're an idiot. You're not educated. You're an adult. Well, if science tells us that man evolved from monkeys and was not created by God out of dust, then breathing life into man, science is wrong. And again, there are many scientists who believe in creationism. If our culture, if our culture tells us it's okay for men and women to have sexual relations outside of marriage, you can do that. You can live together before you get married. Live together and find out if you're right for each other. That's a lie. That's a sin. It's a bad sin. God takes it very seriously. If our culture says that we're all born basically good and our main problem isn't that we sin and incur God's wrath. We just need more self-esteem. We just have to feel better about ourselves. That's wrong. Because that's not what the Word of God says. See, we're bombarded with messages all the time. Even if the church tells you that you must be a conservative or a liberal or you must homeschool or you must send your child to a Christian school or you must or must not vaccinate or you must eat certain kind of foods and not eat certain kind of foods, that church is wrong. Some of you are saying, ow! If I or Bob or Joe, if, 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 if we ever tell you something and it is not in the Bible, don't do it. Don't listen to us if we tell you to do something that's contrary to Scripture. I like what it says in Acts 17.11, 
talks about the Jews in Berea. It says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the Word with all eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Now they were listening to Paul. The Apostle Paul was teaching them from the Word of God. And they said, okay, Paul, I'm going to go home and check that with my Bible. So if, if you ever go home and you check your Bible and you see something that contradicts something that Joe or, or Bob or I say, you can call us up and tell us. Just call me up and say, Mark, you were wrong on that. The Bible says this. So I'm not going to do what you said. See, the, the Bible is the final word. Not the church, not me, not a pastor, not a teacher. So go home and examine the Scriptures daily to see if these things are so. We pastors are not your final authority. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, including the gift of prophecy. But 1 Corinthians 13.9 says, We know in part and we prophesy in part. Our prophecy that, that we would have maybe some kind of an impression that that God gives, but it is not the very words of God. So that's why we don't encourage people to come up to the microphone and say, thus says the Lord, because we don't want any confusion. We don't want people thinking that if a person comes up and they have an impression they feel is from God, that every single word they say is God's word, because we're, we prophesy in part. We, we don't know and we're not speaking inspired, the inspired word of God. And I've actually heard some pretty funny prophecies. I've heard, I heard a pastor once say that someone came up to the mic one morning and says, Thus says the Lord, My people, everybody's got their heads down, My people, I love you like a madman. <laughs> this, this pastor said people went, It's the same pastor had somebody else come up to a microphone and he and this person said, My people, I know you are fearful at times. Sometimes I get a little bit scared myself. <laughs> and this is my favorite. I, I believe I have a friend who actually was in the meeting and heard this. This is my favorite. Someone in a meeting stood up and says, Thus says the Lord, just as my servant Noah led my people through the desert, so I will lead you. And he sat down, and then a few minutes later he stood back up and said, Thus says the Lord, I meant Moses. <laughs> I love that one. I wish I had been at that meeting. So, when we come to the ministry mic, we're, we're not speaking the very words of God. Maybe an impression that God has really given us, but we don't want to ever put that on a par with the Bible. The Bible's the final authority for our lives. If the Bible says something, we need to have this attitude. God said it, I believe it, that settles it, and I will obey it. When we talk about the authority of Scripture, we are talking about its authority to tell us what to believe and how to live. 
It's not enough to just hear it and say, oh, great, that's the Word of God. I ain't going to do it. No. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the Word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. We are to do the Word. Because it has authority over us to tell us what to do. Now, we don't always feel like it. We are to obey God's Word. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I will do it. We must do God's Word whether we feel like it or not. Oh man, there are so many times I don't feel like doing God's Word. I don't feel like going to someone and asking forgiveness for sinning against them. That's humbling. I don't like to humble myself. It doesn't feel good. I don't like to receive correction. But the Bible says we are to receive correction spoken in love by a brother or sister. I don't like to have to serve at times. But I want to do God's Word. I want to be a doer of the Word, not a hearer only. So we had to obey in faith. And as I said, I believe it was last week, that faith in the Word of God is the engine of the train Feelings are the caboose. We're not to be driven by our feelings. We're not to let our soul be our pilot. We're not to let our hearts guide us, but the Word of God. And the most important subject we must know and believe and obey is what the Bible tells us about salvation from our sins. And so Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 15. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the Gospel or the good news. I preached to you which you received. And he's saying you received. When he says you received this, he doesn't mean you just heard it. He means you received it as the authoritative truth in which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the Word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance, first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. See, he's saying, This is the authoritative Word of God which you are commanded by God to believe that Christ died for our sins and it is in accordance with the Scriptures. Scriptures like Isaiah 53 where it says that God placed our sins upon Jesus and crushed Him in our place so that we could be forgiven of our sins. He says, I delivered what of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, Last of all, as to one untimely born, He appeared also to me. All that is Scripture. 
It is scripture. It is fact. It is historical fact that Jesus appeared at one time to a group of 500 people. It wasn't a mass hallucination. It wasn't 500 people who were just so sad that somehow they imagined Jesus at the same time. No, this is historical fact. And we're called to believe it. There is only one way to be saved. And that is to believe in and call upon Jesus Christ to save you. There's no other Savior. There's no other way to heaven. It is a lie that says all religions will take you to the same place. That's a lie. That is not what the Bible says. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by Me. So, so don't think, well, it doesn't matter what God I believe in as long as I believe in some God. It doesn't matter what really. It does. Because if you believe in anything but Jesus Christ and you look to anything or anyone else for the salvation of your soul and forgiveness of sins, you will spend eternity under the wrath of God, experiencing the wrath of God in hell forever. And I, I, I just have been thinking about this so much lately. Robin Williams takes his life. Joan Rivers, a comedian, just, just dies. And, and it's just bringing it home. And I think, they're in eternity now. They are in eternity. They have no more chance to receive Jesus if they didn't while they were alive. If they didn't receive Jesus, what, what good was all their life? What, what was the point of it all? What was the point of it all? All that Robin Williams did. Yeah, I mean, he, he was entertaining and brought a lot of joy to a lot of people, but really, if he is in hell, what good is it? That's why this is so important that we really believe what the Bible says about salvation and about Jesus and what He did on the cross when He took our sins upon Himself and paid for them by shedding His blood so that if we believe in Him, we can be forgiven and cleansed of our sins. Have eternal life. Jesus said, whoever believes in Me has eternal life. So I urge you, to put your trust and faith in Jesus if you have not done that and call upon Him to save you. and Do it today. Don't, don't wait. And for all the rest of us, I, I just pray that God will help all of us, including me, value and trust His Word more and more. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I'm going to obey it. With God's help, obviously. Can't do it in my own strength. Can't. Don't, I'm not saying I have the power in and of myself. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I may feel lonely. You may feel lonely. You may feel abandoned. But God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I'm not forsaken. No matter how forsaken I feel, I am not because Jesus said it. I believe it. That settles it. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. It says this in Jeremiah. 
I know the plans that I have for you. Plans for welfare, not calamity. Plans to give you a future and a hope. God said it. I believe it. I have a future and a hope. Psalm 138 says, The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. God has a purpose for me. God has a purpose for you if you have turned to Jesus Christ. He has a purpose and it says the Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. I may make a hundred mistakes a day and I do. I blow it all the time. I could feel like, man, I'm messing my life up. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. What am I supposed to do? But I, I know this. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me because God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Let's stand and let's pray. And then we're going to have some hamburgers. And we're just, we're just going to... just. Oh, okay. Joe, why don't you come up and lead us in prayer then? I'll get, and we can have the musicians come up.